Hello and welcome to the Agape Leaders Podcast. This week we have a very special guest. Her name is Delta Ryan and she is the founder and director of an organization called Take Heart Africa. And I don't want to spend too much time in an introduction. I want her to be able to come on here and tell you all about her organization and what she's doing from Little Lakeland, Florida. Well, welcome in Delta. We're so happy for you to be here, excited to hear all about your your travels and just everything that you're doing over there with Take Heart Africa. Oh, thank you so much for the invitation and I'm so happy to be here. Praise God. Well, I say this to every guest that we have, and that is the purpose of this podcast is to help people grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And one of the things that we do is we try to learn about all of our guests' faith journeys. Would you please tell us a little bit about your faith journey? Well, I think in my situation, I i mean, everybody's faith journey begins at birth, mm. but mine really began at birth because I was adopted um, when I was two days old. And so I recently, about 10 years ago, um, found my birth family. And now that I know the whole story, I know that it was nothing short of miraculous. Mm that whole beginning. And so I was, um, I, my birth mother was um, not married. And, and so she ended up um, at a, um, at her brother's house, um, where he was stationed in Columbus, Georgia. And she ended up at the same um, doctor where my mother was. And when I refer to my mother, that's who I'm talking about who raised me. So oh. I never actually met my birth mother. So but if I, I can tell you about my faith journey, because I'll let you uh, tell you a little bit about my mom. Mm. And so my mom, um, at the time when she adopted me, was 42. And so, um, and my mother's, and I had a wonderful father too, but my mom is kind of the one that um, really um, made me the strong person that I am today. So when my mom was in her 20s, she already graduated from Southeastern Florida Southern and Augusta School of Nursing. And she got on a ship all by herself and went over to Liberia, West Africa. And then she went deep in the jungle and ran a leprosy colony. Wow. And so this woman, um, if somebody did that today, if my daughter or your daughter, you tell me about her, wanted to go deep into the jungle and run a leprosy colony, we would be like, are you sure? Mm. Well, this was the 1950s. And so she was just this incredible um, woman. She has so many amazing stories when she was there. Um, she came back and ended up getting married in her early thirties and went back to Liberia, West Africa. And she had a child when she was there, uh, there. She had a son and then a period of 10 years lapsed. And during that time she had four miscarriages. Mm. And so she had come back home because there was some civil war in Liberia, West Africa. And she had just delivered a stillbirth and was just very distraught and um, just just couldn't seem to put it, you know, let go that she really wanted another child. So she's 42 at this point. 
And so that's kind of where I started and said that my birth mother um, came all the way from Alabama to Columbus, Georgia, and met at the same place. And so the doctor could do anything back then. So the doctor knew my mother's heartache and had just met my birth mother and she didn't know what to do. And I had in 24 hours, my life totally crossed with these two amazing people. Their names were Mary and Joseph Judah. You cannot make that up. And so these two people, I was dropped literally into their laps. They had such a passion um, for missions. Um, my mom and, and dad actually went back to Duke University to become physician assistants. And um, they eventually really were instrumental in launching healthcare ministries in the Assemblies of God Church. But for most of my life, I grew up here in Lakeland. Um, I went to high school here. And they were doing medical missions and, and, and different things, but we were stationed here. Um, and my mom worked in pediatrics here. My dad worked in surgery, both as PAs. And so um, my dad passed away early when he was, in his, he was 60. Mm-hmm. And so soon after that, this healthcare ministry's mission was launched. And my mom was a big part of that. And at her death, um, she had been in over 30 countries. Um, she had, um, she was incredible. I mean, she had four degrees over 30 countries, a big risk taker, and she's the one who raised me. And to be honest, I had a terrible attitude about missions. Wow. And so that's why sometimes I always say, if you're listening to this and you really don't have a heart for missions and you really don't have a heart for the lost and especially in other parts of the world, you know, I'm here to encourage you that that can all change and that you can, you can, you know, change that and have that passion. So I was a great kid. I grew up in, in, in church. I grew up with two great examples. Um, I can remember a very instrumental time in beginning to start the eighth grade. I had, um, started making some friends at at the school at Crystal Lake elementary and then, Um, I'd started making some friends that weren't good and my mom could sense that. And so she was really praying for me and wanted me to attend Evangel Christian. That was a Christian school in in Lakeland at the time. And I didn't want to go. And I really wasn't. I had accepted Christ, but I wasn't really living for him at that age of of seventh grade. So I remember a distinct evening. um, She was praying. I was in my room and I just remember getting on, on my knees and just surrendering everything to God. And I made the decision to attend Evangel Christian, which was very instrumental for me um, as I walked away from that group of friends, which really didn't go anywhere but down. So my mom really knew that. And so once I made that commitment in eighth grade, I, I really never looked back. My, my personality is all in or all out. Of course, I made mistakes. I've had seasons of of, of closer to God and not closer to God. But um, during high school, I really served the Lord um, wholeheartedly. Um, like I said, we, um, my parents were traveling a lot during short-term medical missions. That was really their passion and calling. I went to the University of Florida and in Gainesville, go Gators. So my husband's a Gator and both my girls are, my youngest is about to graduate next week. So we're all Florida grads. 
And so went up there, um, served the Lord all during um, college, definitely was involved in church and mentoring and Bible studies. And so my mom, um, I graduated in, in 93 and eventually came back to Lakeland and, and I graduated as a physician assistant too, um, just like my parents and worked in the emergency room here and actually did that for 20, 22 years. And so my mom and I were very close. Like I said, my dad died when I was 21, but I was actually obstinate with her about her passion for missions. Mm. She was gone a lot. She traveled, begged me to go with her and I never did. And so she contracted, um, pancreatic cancer in, mm. uh, and, and died in 1999. And so, like I said, I was a just committed Christian, very involved in church and, um, just had a husband. And at that time I already had one child. And so it was her death that really started my journey of, of my, of this calling. I've had, you know, two, I, I loved working as a PA, but it was, it was, it was her death in 1999, um, that began my journey. So I, when she died, all of a sudden I had a desire to go on a mission trip. Isn't that interesting? So yeah. I've always said, well, you know, when your mom dies, if it's good, then you're sad because she's gone. If it's bad, you have regrets that you didn't do, but it changes you. You don't ever, you're never the same person after, in my opinion, after the death, uh, and my father too, but then, you know, my mom, this was like, now I'm, I'm 30 and she was gone and she was such just a, just a strong support system in my life an incredible example the most amazing woman um, i've ever had and and the person who's had the most impact on me so i went on a, a mission trip with with my church and we went to ecuador mm. and it was a medical missions and i loved every minute of it every i mean i was like oh my gosh i was good at it and and probably that's the first time that I really felt like I understood my parents and their mm. calling and their love for, for other parts of, of the world. And so when I came back, I had a great trip and really didn't expect it to do anything, but that's when God started working in my heart. And that, that started a long journey of, of seeking and sifting and, um, probably about a year or two after that first trip is when I really finally said, okay, I feel like I have a call. I feel like maybe I have a call to do something different. Um, but I didn't know what it was. And immediately people were like, oh, you're going to go to the mission field and mm. you know, you're in medicine and you're going to do this and that, you know, everybody's got their idea of what, what you're supposed to do. But my husband, who's a physical therapist, he didn't feel a call to, to missions and he didn't feel a call to go to any part of the world. He was a hundred percent supportive of me. So that really just began a long process. I, 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 I re even took a year off from work to, to search. I went on mission trips with not just my church, but other organizations. And I, it just was a long journey of trying to find that calling. And my pastor kept saying, you're going to come to a crossroads mm. and you're going to know it immediately. And so that, process took about 10 or 12 years. And then it was just, just, I know, I know in our faith journey, 
like I said, in eighth grade, like I really committed my life to the Lord. And then, you know, but you're always growing. You're always right. sifting. You're always, um, you know, God will say to me, okay, this can't go with us to the next level. Okay. So this area mm -hmm. of your life, sometimes it could be a sin and sometimes it could just be um, a habit. Sometimes it could be, you know, something, a hurt from your past. It's just a matter of, of, of God speaking and saying, we need to deal with this because I know what's ahead for you. And we, and I know this can't come with you. And so that was, was a process. And so I think that kind of summarizes before I jump into like my next um, area or change in my life. But um, that's kind of a summary of my faith journey kind of based around my calling um, and my parents, actually God, like I said, I feel just so honored and, and chosen that God, um, he knows us all when we're formed, but obviously mine, you know, my beginnings, God was watching that um, and, and had very, a very specific purpose and plan for me from, from, from the very beginning. Praise God. You said, this, God said, this can't go with us to the next level. Mm. <laughs> That's gold. Mm. That's gold. Because we, we have to get that. Because, yeah. you know, how many people walk away from God because they're kicking and screaming, holding on to that thing that God says, this, I like that. This can't go with us to the next level. Mm. That's, I know, that's, I always felt like an example of that or what God taught me. I, I call them wilderness seasons of mm. life. Sometimes God takes us to the wilderness to be tested like Jesus. Mm. Sometimes we take ourselves to the wilderness for bad habits or addictions or sin or whatever you want to say. And then some people push us to the wilderness from mm. abuse, from neglect, you know, things that may happen to us in childhood. And so I felt like um, I definitely have been in and out of multiple, multiple seasons of, of wilderness, but I felt like God gave me the example of that Jesus went to the wilderness for 40 days and the Israelites stayed in the wilderness for 40 years mm. because they didn't get it. They, they, you know, they didn't get what they were supposed to get. And so, so many, I feel like so many believers will wander their whole life in the wilderness because um, they don't, you know, really learn the lesson that they were supposed supposed to learn. So I feel like God say to me, we all get our choice of how long we stay, <laughs> how long mm -hmm. we stay in the wilderness and until we learn what we need to learn. And then until we let go of what, um, you know, what God is, is, is working on our lives to do. So, I, you know, I'm blown away at how much gold you, you've already given. <laughs> and uh, and I definitely appreciate that. So you said that you were pausing. You said you were about to go into that next. Will you take us already into that mm -hmm. next phase or that next, what you were about to talk yeah. about? Yeah. So it's interesting because I loved my career as a physician assistant. I actually function best in chaos and i that's why i love the emergency room mm. 
I just took some kind of personality. You know, we're always taking tests and strengths and weaknesses. And it actually said, be careful in structure because you'll feel you'll feel like you're not in the right place. So I, mm. I love to be in chaos. I, I love to work um, a very adaptable um, I can I adjust to things. So I had loved medicine, always wanted to be in medicine from a little girl. And like I said, went to the University of Florida, graduated as a PA and was working in the emergency room for 22 years. And, and like um, I had taken that first trip in Ecuador, to Ecuador around 2000 and felt the call of God on my life, knew I was going to do something different, but I had no idea what it was. And then I met my birth family. So in March of 2012, now interesting thing that my mom had been dead now for, for over 10 years, but one of the most important things before my mom died is she wanted me to find my birth family. Mm. She was adamant about it. And so we tried twice and, and didn't find the person mm -hmm. because my mom didn't have the right name but we had a great relationship but she just said i don't know why but something about your future has to do with your birth family wow and so um after she died i tried one more time and hit another wall and then um i i got some information from the state of georgia that gave me the age of my mom, my birth mother, um, but no identifying information. It was just general information that, mm. that one of the investigators had gotten me. And then the social worker said to me, I can find, I can find your birth mother. Um, yeah, I, I've got enough information. It'll cost, it was really cheap. You know, it wasn't even a lot of money. And all of a sudden I didn't even, I just sat on it for like five years. Oh. I didn't do anything with it. I'm a risk taker by nature, but I just was a little bit hesitant about that. Like, what do, why do I want to find that? And so it's, it's a funny story. My 90 year old aunt who I was so close to my mom's older sister, she turned 90 and I told her I would do anything for her. What do you, what do you want to do on your birthday? And she said, I want you to fill out uh, those. Papers. Yeah, I want yeah. you to fill out those papers and send them in. And I said, Oh my, now I have to do that. So I filled them out. Her birthday was October 31st. And three weeks later, I get a call that they've, she's found my birth mother. And so I, it, that, that particular story of my birth mother is a whole nother podcast, but that didn't necessarily end very well. But in that process, I learned that I had a sister, but it was from my birth father's side. So my birth mother had been bitter for 45 years toward him. And, and mm -hmm. so, like I said, that's a, that's a whole different story. But in the process of, of, of a long, about three months that we went through this, I discovered I had a sister and we eventually met. We met in uh, actually 10 years ago in March, March of 2012, and also met my birth father, who, who at this time was serving the Lord and had um had been married to the same woman for 36 years and 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 so he um my he, he had married my birth sister's mom and they ended up divorcing and, and so he had been married to the same woman for 36 years so we met my sister's name is misty and we immediately 
we're like soulmates. I don't even mm. know how to describe it to you. Our, our families get along. Her husband and her actually end up selling everything about three years ago and moving to Honduras. And so I met Missy and the family the first time in, in March. I went to visit them in Alabama in May of 2012. In June, about two, three weeks after I left, she calls me and says, my church is going to Kenya. And I don't know wow. why, but you're supposed to come with me. I can't get it off my heart. We have one spot open. And I said, I'm going. I didn't even breathe. I didn't hesitate because my mom's heart was Africa. And I, she begged me to come with her. And I never, she would take trips back to, 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 to Liberia because she just, she went all over the world, like I said, 30 countries, but her heart was always, always in Africa. Mm. And so I got on an airplane in October of 2012 with seven strangers because I didn't even know my sister. I'd only met mm. her twice and six other people. And I went, got on that airplane and went to Kenya. And then that's where everything changed. So I can tell you the rest of that story and, and, and that kind of leads, you know, into the, the, the calling of, 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 of God, but it was a lot of things that had to happen. Number one, my mother stating that she, I needed to find my birth family. And so that, that, that's a really a neat thing for sure. I'm sitting here. I'm speechless. <laughs> like, like I, I would love to hear as much as you want to share. And there is no doubt that God is moving, has moved, and is it, it, I just you could just see the pieces of the puzzle mm -hmm. falling. I want you to find your your birth family. I don't know why, but I want you to find it. And you wait. I'll give you anything, man. Right. <laughs> you shouldn't say that anymore. I'll right. give you anything. I want you to fill out that paperwork. Mm -hmm. You know, and and look at our sovereign God mm -hmm. who you think you're waiting. You think it's well, I'm uh you know, I'm puttering around. No, 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 no. God has it timed so that right when you meet mm -hmm. your sister, he sends you to Kenya and now look at you. Yeah. Oh. I, yeah, love, I, I, I love that. <laughs> the timing of God is, 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 is incredible. Never. I probably, I had a, I had a small group today with six of our girls in Kenya, thanks to Google meets. And <laughs> we were talking about the, how do you hear God? And then why do you feel distant sometimes from God? And sometimes it's one girl was very open and said, his timing is really difficult for me right now. And so mm. it's, you know, it's encouragement to know. So, so like I said, October, 2012, I got on that airplane, went to that country of Kenya, no idea that what was going to happen. But like I said, remember my pastor kept saying, you're going to come, come to a crossroads. Right. Cause I was pretty, frustrated knowing that I, God had something for me and my, I was disturbed in my spirit in a good way, disturbed to know that there was mm. going to be a change. Years and years and years have passed since I made that commitment to God. And so I just was on an airplane being obedient, going to a country 
And it was that trip that, that everything did change. And one of the first things that happened was we were in a really remote village. In fact, Google Earth didn't even know we were there till a few years ago. So <laughs> I took a lady in her 70s a few years ago and she said, God does not know that we're here. I'm convinced <laughs> of it because she said, I checked Google Earth and it doesn't know where we are. And so she, you know, we're just so remote and people always say, how did you ever get here? And, you know, so it's not like it's a big city. It's not mm. like, I mean, it's just a really rural place. And so we stayed in an orphanage and it was a boy and girl orphanage, but we stayed, of course, in it with the girls. And they were teenagers, mm. the majority of them. Wow. And that was the first thing that was so unusual about this trip. And so we stayed in a, in, in a um, we stayed in, in an orphanage of teenagers. And I remember arriving there late at night. We were tired. This place was not very nice. Um, electricity wasn't there. It was mm. squatty potties. And I was like, what have I gotten myself into? on this trip. And so, you know, we, we, we unpacked and you've got 30 girls just staring at you. Mm. The great thing about Kenya is that English is one of their languages, especially if they've been in school. And I remember saying to them, I, cause I have a real gift to connect with people. And, mm. and I don't know why I felt like just God say, ask them, can they sing? And I said, do you guys like to sing? And they loved it. The whole, mm community has an incredible gift of, of voices of harmony and and so i i remember that we kind of sat down and i could tell that i had you know connected with them and they started into a song and the song i didn't know it was going to become so meaningful to me but the song was named conquerors mm. and so they they went into the song i'll never forget as long as i live and there's a line in the song that says, dedicate me on my way until I reach my destiny. Mm. And I found my destiny in that village on that trip. And the girls to this day, I just got back from 18th trip. They sing it to me over and over again. Dedicate me on my way till I reach my destiny. They all know that's my favorite song. There are girls that are still in my life that sang that song to me in, in 2012. Wow. That are still that, you know, that God has still allowed our paths, you know, to stay together. And, and, and so that was just an, a, from the very beginning of that trip, even how I got asked to go, but from the time I stepped foot on that and that land in Kenya, it was different. It was wow. a different trip. And so living in the orphanage of teenagers, most of them the ages of my own girls. So I just really became aware of their stories and learned so much about them. We, we connected in a really unusual way. And so also on that first trip, um, in the middle of the night, we heard screams and cries and so we woke up the next morning and asked the local pastor what happened. And he told us that there was a widow that hung herself. Oh. And so that, mm. that really hit me hard. And I remember we had our clinic that day. That was a medical trip. We had our clinic. And at the end of the day, 
we 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 bought some food to take it to the family. So yeah, that's kind of what you would do here. Right. And so it was only a maybe a three minute walk. Really, the next property. That's why we could hear the sounds. Mm. And we and we we walked over. And I remember that moment. Like I said, this whole trip had been impactful for me. I remember walking up. It was just a slight hill. It was a wide, you know, piece of land, grassy. I can see it to this day. I, but it was almost like just me and God. This has only happened to mm. me like twice. And it was kind of like we were walking up this property and I could take the whole scene in. I was looking at the mud house where she was living. I was looking at her children and I was, I was just, just processing everything. And it was not audible. Wasn't an audible voice. Cause mm -hmm. I always, we have a joke in the emergency room. You don't ever come in and say, God's speaking to you because we have a really nice place for you to go. <laughs> we, have <a> room, <laughs> we have a room with nothing on the walls because there are plenty of people that God is speaking to them. And so, but, but, and, and not really God, you know, they're, right. they're, they're very and, and so I always, but in church, it's okay to say God is speaking to you, but in the ER, you don't, don't ever do that or you'll be in trouble. So anyway, as I was walking up, it wasn't audible but it was the strongest impression I've ever had. And, and, and I felt like the Holy spirit said to me, this is where I want you to come. This is where I want you to bring hope to these people. Mm. And it was kind of like just me and God. And then that haziness went away and I didn't even know what to do, but I knew, I, I knew it was different. And I, um, finished the trip. We went on a nice safari. My sister and I bonded for life on that on that trip. Mm. And I got into the airport. They'd left to go to Alabama and I was taking a different flight to come to Florida. And I emailed my pastor and my husband from the airport in London and said, this is it. I have found it. I had come mm. to that crossroads and knew it. I, I knew it immediately. And mm. um, so that began um, the, the journey and the calling of, of, of Take Heart, um, where I am today. Now, did you name it Take Heart right away or has it gone through some iterations? So I came back and didn't have any intentions of starting a nonprofit. And, and, and so I knew it was different. I knew I was going to be involved. And I, I started getting actively involved in another in, in, a family that totally changed my life and, and mm. put me in. But I, my daughter was on like we called a fine arts team and they were doing a human video and I was the team mom. And so this is competition, serious stuff. And, and the name of the song and our group, it was Hill, by Hillsong United. The name of the song was called Take Heart that we were doing. Mm. So when I came back and I was listening to the song again, there's a line in the song that says his love will lead you through the night. And the widow didn't make it through the night. Mm -hmm. And most all suicides, if you know anything about suicide happens at night, it happens huh. in the dark. It happens. Things, things are always, even if you're not, depressed or anything night if you're a little bit down nights always harder than the day time mm. and so i felt like the holy spirit said name it i want you to name it take heart now then i found all these amazing verses john 16 in this world you will have trouble but take heart of overcome yeah. the world 
be strong and, and, and take heart and, and Psalms. And um, even First Chronicles 28, where in the message version, that's been a big verse for me this year, take charge, take heart. Um, when David is talking to Solomon to, to build the temple, because I, I now have a calling to build a school and a guest oh. house. So God has given me some, you know, real dreams for that. So scripture is, is key that, that carries you those words. And so I came back and became an official nonprofit in 2014. And um, that really, you know, started started the journey and resigned from my job in, in April this this month, ten, um, eight years ago in 2014. Mm. So I have not practiced medicine in eight years. Wow. And haven't missed it once. Uh, that I, I, I have actually. <laughs> okay. I, I actually. <laughs> I loved medicine. I really did. It, it was, you know, people will say, oh, I couldn't wait to get out of that job. Um, but that, that really wasn't me. And I think in the 10 years to, or 12 years prior to my first calling that I was to do something different, I even took a year off. I think I mentioned that I took a year off from work. I don't know if it was like a test hmm. to see if I would resign my job because, you know, that's a big, it's a big job to walk away from. It's a, a very... Um, good career. And um, so, but I, I, I know 100% sure this is where I'm supposed to be. So it, it, but to say I didn't miss it, it even to this day, I think I even just told someone an hour ago wow. um, that I do occasionally miss it at times. So, and I really believe one day I'll have a clinic in, in Kenya. So that, uh, that maybe helped me there some. So I have kind of an audible question, but it's based on you saying you kind of miss it. So your parents were PAs, mm -hmm. you become a PA, uh, and now you have this ministry that you're over in Kenya. And I'm just curious, you may not have even given this any thought. Um, do you feel like walking away from or resigning your position as being a PA? Was there some connectivity there? with, you know, cause your parents were that mm -hmm. and now you're not that anymore. Mm -hmm. just, that's just a curious question. It's very interesting. Cause my parents passion, you know, before they went back, my mom was always a nurse at first. And then she went back to PA school at Duke university and my dad did too. So their whole passion was, was medical missions. And that tends to be more evangelistic mm -hmm. and short term. And, in my exploratory time when i was taking all these trips about the fifth medical trip i did i stopped i didn't enjoy medical missions i don't it's a necessity and it's needed i don't like to say okay hey um good to see you today you know what's wrong oh you know in, in another country oh my arm hurts or my stomach hurts or this hurts um okay let me give you some medicine do you know jesus let me pray for you and then they're gone mm. it became clear that i was a discipler yes and so they're both needed you know you we i think we were just talking about we love people who can just go up and ask right, somebody. Right. <laughs> but then there's those of us that want to do life with people and we right. want to disciple you and be a part of your life and and, and I, I think Jesus was actually a discipler. I mean, he, he, he discipled some evangelists, but Jesus as a whole, he did talk to the masses, but you never right. hear like 
people coming. Oh, they came forward by the thousands. Right. He spoke to them and taught, but he was always saying, okay, let me take you away and teach you this. Right. That's good. Let me, let me invest all my time in these, in these 12 kind of crazy people, you know, <laughs> that, that we were always encouraged by Peter and, 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 and some of you know the rest of them, but it, it became clear that that wasn't my calling. And so it was, it was, um, like I said, I do have a dream to have like a, um, a, um, a clinic, but it would be something that would be there permanently. It wouldn't just be like a stand up clinic. And so it, it became very clear that the medical part of my life, at least being the dominant aspect was, was a season of 22 years and that this, season that started 10 years ago was very was going to be very different and even a different calling from my parents so many similarities but this one what was was my you know was god's calling to me more of an emphasis on education more of an emphasis on empowerment of women and small business and um once again the main focus on discipleship of, of of walking through life which to me is is a lot harder and it's not that one's worse or better. It, it when you have to do life with broken people mm. it, it can be very challenging at times it can you can have the the, the joys you can't you know even understand and just praise but then you just have the heartaches of people choosing poorly because of what happened to them a lot of times in childhood and then loving them back loving them unconditionally it was it was it was just recently it was a couple of weeks before easter and uh, we we had a special speaker at our church for the teacher and it was on the cross of course and, you know we all had to say, okay let me focus my mind on the cross i mean because we're like oh we hear here it, here it comes again the cross which is silly, but I meant like, I just remember thinking, okay, so he was asking what, what drove Jesus to the cross and, 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 and he was being like outside the box. Okay. So, so Jesus went to the cross. There were many things that had to happen. Pilate had to give the order. Hmm. He couldn't go to the cross without Pilate's order. Right. Judas had to betray him. He had to fulfill prophecy. He, you know, all, all, there's a lot of different things that we did there, but then he kind of honed in what is the reason that he went to the cross? What, what was, what were the like two main things? And he built it up a lot more than this. So by the time you got there, you were, you could almost answer them because we know in the garden, he wanted to quit. Yeah. He made it very clear that we knew that he, he was asking not quit, but could there be another way? No, no, I understand what you mean. Yeah, not, you know, like, and so he went to the, to, to do the cross for love. You know, he, that, that was to me the main reason he went for his love for you, his love for me. And, and then I think when the love might've stopped, it was just sheer obedience. Mm. I can tell you that sums up my last 10 years is that I have an incredible love for these people that God has called me to serve. And when, and I always think of the cross, you know, I had to carry my cross today. I mean, th that kind of brought up, but 
when we do something for love, all of a sudden the heavy cross that we have to carry mm. for our callings or whatever God's asking us to do, they're li it's lighter. And it kind of made sense to me during this teacher, you know, God's always teaching us things. And then when the times when it's so hard, when you just had so many letdowns and you don't feel like you're making, you know, progress, um, then it's just obedience to the call. It's just, it, it, it's obedience to say, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay committed to the call. I'm not going to, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to ask for a way out. I, I'm going to stay the course because I know this is what God, you know, has asked me to do. So it was just a good reminder too that, you know, love will, the uh, God gives you a, just a love for the people that he calls you to serve. And I have to say, that's the truth for me. Praise God. That is so good. I'm going to be bold right now. And I'm going to ask a huge favor of you. Mm. I'm going to ask that you promise that you are going to come back because we have to end our podcast episode here. But I know that there, there's so much you've given us. And I believe there's so much more that uh, we can glean from your story. I think you said uh, earlier that uh, your story with your biological mom, there was something there that could be its own podcast episode. So I think I'm taking that as you saying, yes, I will come back <laughs> and be on your podcast again. <laughs> yes, of course. I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to come back for so. sure. So I will definitely uh, you know, reach out to you, uh, not in the far too distant future, to to bring you back, so that because uh, there's there's more that that I know I would want to know, and I'm sure that others would want to know. You know, we hear like I'm going to be honest with you. If you say, um, "What's the first word that pops in your mind?" and you say to me, "Kenya." I'm going to say long distance runners. <laughs> Absolutely. They just won. They're the top runners in the world. And I've right. been right. Yeah. I've been right where they trained. So I, I, yes, they just won what the Boston marathon. They were the top. Probably. Male, top probably. So, so, uh, but yeah, so I appreciate your time and, and I'm sure that uh, our audience appreciates the time. If you could give uh, our listeners one kind of thought of encouragement. Uh, I would really appreciate that as we, as we close this episode. Absolutely. I would encourage, I would encourage um, people. I, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm teaching this now to learn to, to, to learn to listen and to hear mm. from God because he wants to speak to us. And we all are amazed that he wants to use us. We, I'm, I'm a weak vessel, but I, I am convinced that he's very specific and he has something um, for, for each of us to do. I, everybody can't run off to Africa because who's going to uh, teach our children in the true. high school? That's who's going to run the emergency room? Everybody has that very specific. And so I want to encourage people to learn the skill of, of listening to God because he's speaking and he has something very 
very specific. And it just because I get to go to Africa and I mean, I'm one of those few people begging God to send me to Africa. I, I want to go all the time. I could go live over there. You know, some people will say, I'll go anywhere but Africa. You know, it's, it's, a, it's different what people are calling, but God has something very, very specific for each of us to do. And um, don't, don't give up searching for that. Don't give up um, w- until you find that mm-hmm. and then just put your whole life into it uh, of calling and seasons too. you know, motherhood, there's nothing more important than the home on, on motherhood. I have mm-hmm. the highest respect for teachers, your, your life changers, your, Praise you God. have, we all can say out loud, a teacher that meant something to us and that can change a, a person's tra- trajectory and so what people do in the emergency room is so important. And, and so anyway, that just, that's what I felt to, to say as an encouragement to, to just keep seeking and, and listening to what God would, would have you to do. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for your time. We of really course. appreciate you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Well, I can't speak for you, but speaking for me, I have to tell you that my life is better right now because God brought Delta Ryan into my life. I hope you heard through her stories just how much God is at work in our lives. Yes, it was her story and it was her life but God is at work in your life as well. So that thing that you are so frustrated because it hasn't manifested yet or hasn't happened yet or hasn't arrived or that that job that you just knew you were supposed to get, but you didn't get it. I would encourage you to stay, uh, keep listening to the Lord and keep trying to hear from the Lord. This was the encouragement that she gave us. You know, and she said, when she walked up on, now she's finally in Kenya. Remember, she told us that missions, she didn't want missions. That wasn't something that she was going to do. And now in God's perfect time, she's walking and she hears You know, something comes from inside her, not an audible voice, but something from within kind of says, this is where, you know, your your ministry is going to be. And she's been going back, you know, ever since. It's just just amazing, uh, her story. And so uh, I'm so thankful that she did agree to come back. Uh, I look forward to, you know, spending some time with her again and giving you guys an opportunity to hear from her uh, but you know, I would encourage you also to go to her website, takeheartafrica.org, common spelling for all of those words. And uh, they, she has a store. If you if you live in Lakeland, she has a store, a brick and mortar store. It's called Take Heart, and it is on. I don't know if it's Tennessee or Kentucky, but if you live in Lakeland. It's on the same street as Harry's. <laughs> so if, you, if you're going down to Munn Park and 
Harry's, if you're in the area and if you're from out of town and you go to the Lakeland downtown area and you head north on that same street that Harry's is on, you will be uh, going towards Takehart. It is uh, heading north and it will be on the west side of the street. So if you're heading north from Harry's, it'll be on the west side or the left side of the street. Well, that's all we have for this week's Agape Leaders podcast. I pray that uh, you have been blessed by this episode. Until next time, you have a blessed week. Thank you.